honest are you about your own efforts as a sales professional? We're going to get into telling the truth on today's episode of The Buyer's Mind. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore. Well, welcome everyone once again to another episode of The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore, and we talk about how we make sure that our mind is right so that we can understand our customer's mind even better. And today we're going to get into a great conversation about how honest we are with ourselves, with our own efforts, and how much we can find the truth in sales by looking through all of the tripe that floats around out there. Uh, joined, as always, by our show producer, Paul Murphy. And Murph, when we look at this, well, you and I have been studying sales here for some time here, and there's a lot of misinformation, right? There are a lot of, uh, of different opinions out there that sometimes don't always make sense. That's very true. Uh, you know, there are all kinds of people uh, who have good advice. And then there are snake oil salesmen who are trying to, you know, <laughs> tell us there's something new and magical about how we approach sales. And it really comes down to the basics, doesn't it? it, it I think on the extreme, that's exactly right, that there are snake oil salesmen. I think that there are also just a lot of people that are just looking for a new answer. There are so-called experts that are looking and saying, boy, I can build my business if I can come up with something that is entirely new. And I'm not opposed to the idea of new thought, but it seems to me that having a new and advanced thought is probably appropriate when you have the fundamentals down. But when you're skipping ahead to whatever this new thought is, you're probably going to wax right over the fundamentals. And that's why we wanted to have Mike Weinberg on the show and talk about his new book, Sales truth. There are a lot of myths about sales. And I think one of the concerns is that you know, the sales experts, look, at. I'm going to suggest here for just a moment that I, I'm a sales expert. I, I There, I said it. I'm going to suggest to you that it's sometimes difficult to go toe to toe uh, to debunk myths, right? But, but I'm finding more and more, maybe it's just in my old age of getting more and more ornery, more and more the necessity to try to debunk the untruths about about sales. Uh, things like the concept that uh, is often said that buyers are liars. Now, look, I get it. It's trite. It's cute. It rhymes. Uh, but I want to suggest to you that's an incredibly dangerous mindset to carry around because it's going to cause you to look with derision at your own customers. I mean, even before they start talking, you're going in with this paradigm, this mindset that they are going to lie to you. I would argue that that is not the basis for a sound and healthy relationship. I would look at it from the other side to say, if a customer ever does give me something other than the truth, why would they do that? It's because I haven't earned their trust. And that's on me, not on them. So we've got to look at it. And even as we go into today's interview, I want to ask you to ask yourself the question. You need to challenge yourself and ask you, what are some of those things that I've accepted as truth but I can't back it up. And then to a deeper level, what are the shiny new, quote, truths that I am attracted to, but maybe I've ignored the basics and the fundamentals over here? We're going to look today and challenge that. We're going to put it on its ear in today's conversation. 
All right. I am thrilled to have uh, back on the show uh, my friend Mike Weinberg. Uh, Mike wrote uh, New Sales Simplified several years ago. It has been one of the best-selling sales books out there, and for a good reason. He takes the subject of sales and makes it so approachable. But now he has a new book, and its I have to tell you, it's one of the most interesting, intriguing books uh, that I've read in a long time. And uh, I, I, I read a lot of books, but I just love this. The book is called Sales Truth, Debunk the Myths, Apply Powerful Principles, Win More New Sales. I'm holding the book in my hand right now. I, I read it uh, of just very quickly because I couldn't put it down. It was really, really a good book. And he's just a good guy. Uh, welcome once again, Mike Weinberg. How you doing, sir? Oh, my gosh. I appreciate your generosity in your words, Jeff. And I'm always looking forward to talking sales with you. And I like your take on the book, too. It'll be fun to take. I'm, I'm curious if you got angry or what your reaction was as you read some of the <laughs> some of the very blunt assessments I shared. So this will be a fun dialogue. Sure. Well, I didn't really know what to expect, though, Mike, when I first picked it up. And, you know, you, of course, I had seen, you know, that you were you were looking at uh, at putting the word out there early on. And I was a part of that dis discussion. But I was like, hmm, this is intriguing. Where is he going to go? Is it at the expose? Is it a tell all? And I just am going to throw that back to you. How would you define the book? Because it's not so much a how to, but I wouldn't call it a self-help book. How do you define the book? Yeah, it, it's, I think it's, it, it's two distinct pieces of the book, um, and they're both wake-up calls. Um, part, part one is only maybe 20% of the book, and it's my rant slash expose of the nonsense that we all read about online about what supposedly, supposedly works in sales today. Um, and the reason I wrote that part was because, frankly, I was frustrated and a little mm -hmm. pissed off. Um, yeah that what I see with my own eyes and real companies about what it takes to win new sales and what top people do looks very, very different from yeah. what I read from some very popular voices online who declare that everything in sales has changed. So, so there's 20% of just this rant slash expose about, right. no, that's nonsense. Let's call it nonsense. And then the part two, the other 80% is let's, let's strip it down to the bare basics. What are the top producing sellers doing today to create their own opportunities, to own their calendar, to stop getting commoditized and treated like a vendor? And what are those simple best practices that the top producers are actually deploying that work? So it's a wake up call on, on, on both fronts. And I'm really, I'm really thrilled, I'd say, with the response to it. Because um, it was the book, this is gonna sound weird, but it, it's my third book. And it, this is the one I most wanted to write. Because mm -hmm. I felt like someone needed to say what was in there. And yeah. I was in a position to do it. So I'm I'm really thankful for the chance to have this impact in the sales community. I love the tone of the book from the perspective that it was part uh, quit your whining and part quit listening to people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, right? It was, there was, there was the, the gloves came off on this one. Uh, and and that leads me to just ask, I always love to know the genesis of the journey. So take us back to your early thoughts. I mean, to me, I sort of get the sense, Mike, that this is a book that you've been thinking about, maybe not even necessarily as a book, but these are concepts that you've been thinking about for a long, long time. Yeah. Thank you for asking it that way. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I had a new uh, note that I started in my, in my phone, you know, in my notes app probably four years ago. And I just mm -hmm. started writing down the nonsense I was seeing preached online about you know, prospecting's dead and everything has changed and you're a dinosaur and a Luddite if you even think about prospecting because buyers, you know, they go, they go exactly X percent through their buying process before engaging with salespeople. 
So I started taking screenshots of what some of what I call these charlatans were preaching. And these are popular voices. A lot of these people have big right. followings. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what, where I wanted to take them on and say, listen, just because you get a lot of likes to your articles, it doesn't mean that they're accurate or helpful or that your advice is effective. It just means it's popular because it's what everybody wants to hear, that there's a hack, there's a shortcut. You don't need to knock on a door, pick up the phone, work your referral network. You can you can just put out content or you can do you know this and that and people will run to you. So the genesis was true frustration because I love salespeople and it's usually the weaker or more gullible salespeople that most need the help that fall for the you know get rich quick, eat all the carbs you want and lose weight nonsense right that's preached online and that's where it started and then it was just jeff is so obvious i have like you i have a ton of clients and they're all over the place and when i look at what the very best people do to win sales it's obvious and i could I mean, and that's why i wanted to document that and contrast the best practices and the basics and the fundamentals and the disciplines and the hard work and the prep that real top producers do versus the gobbledygook that's, that's, you know, couched as sales advice on LinkedIn in particular. Yeah, right. And then when it's when it's couched as that sales advice is if I can be the most bold and brash about it, well then it must be true. And uh you know, we you and I both know there there we've seen a lot of these people out there that are very bold in their opinions and I I think it's sort of almost preying on the idea that we gravitate towards confidence, right? We we follow confidence, mm -hmm. we adopt confidence, and therefore if you're really confident, well you must be worth following. And I think you and I have both sort of looked at it, and certainly the book uh, attacks that head on to look at it and say, just because you're loud does not make you right. Well, it's so interesting you bring it up that way, because just yesterday, the day before we're recording this, there was a little controversy on LinkedIn and, and an overseas sales expert put out an article uh, quoting Gary Vaynerchuk mm -hmm. and an excerpt from a brand new video that Gary V put out saying we should all be putting out 100 pieces of content per day. And then he went on, and this, this supposed sales expert went on to talk about, that's the formula for selling today. And, and this is you know, from the same camp of people that you know, earlier in the year put out something about Kylie Jenner posting selfies, you know, is what took her to a billion dollars of net worth. Mm -hmm. And some moron who calls himself a sales expert said, you know, she's your role model, right? She didn't cold call her way to a billion dollars in net worth. It was social media. But that, that's where I go, hold on. You can be really loud saying this and it sounds fun. And I love Gary Vee and I know mm -hmm. nothing about Kylie Jenner, but mm -hmm. neither of them are the role model for the typical business to business or even in the, in the B2C world, in the yeah. real estate world. That's not your role model. Yes, we should have brands. Yes, we should be on social. Yes, we should be loud and confident and putting out content. But please don't tell the average salesperson that Gary Vee is their example, right? right? That they should be wearing a ski cap and a t-shirt dropping F-bombs, pumping out videos, you know, 20 times a day, because yeah. they're all going to starve if they do that. Like, he's a right. celebrity. He's a marketer. He's not a sales guy, right? Is that, yeah. that It seems disingenuous to me. Yeah. Well, listen, and he's Gary Vee. I mean, he's, he's they broke the mold. And I remember this, I had an interesting, I saw, I read something interesting about a, a humorist by the name of John Acuff, who I've followed for many, many years. And he constantly has people saying to him, I want to do what you do. I want to do what you do. And he was very real and honest in this interview where he said, you know, okay, so the first thing you have to do is then you have to be me. Okay, let's start there. That's step number one, go be me. Now, from there, and it's crazy because we look at it and we go, 
I take Gary Vee, for example. I think the guy has a lot of really, really interesting things to say. And I think he has a lot of things to say that should be absolutely set off in the trash pile. And you know what? I don't think he would be offended at all if I if he heard me say that right now. But the fact of the matter is, mm -hmm. he's Gary Vee. He found a formula that works for him. God bless him. It's America. He's figured it out. Now I want to adopt it because why? How does that work exactly? And and I think that that's the thing that's frustrating is like we take these small little micro examples. But what you did in the book is to say, no, let's go. Pe let's go find people who have to do this every day, who, by the way, are not named Gary Vaynerchuk. And let's see what they have to say. Exactly. Be very careful about who you're reading and what you're listening to. And I, this is what I tell people. If it works for you, that's great. If Gary V or Kylie Jenner is what they're doing is a you know, the example for what you think is going to work. And if you, if, if you have people in your industry that are doing that, yeah. then by all means, follow their lead. But, but in most cases, and in most of my very traditional prospects in a wide variety of in, my clients in a wide variety of, of industries, mm -hmm. that's not what the top people do. And you should, you yeah. should see what the top producers in your world do and then mimic their approaches, their behavior, how they manage their own calendar. That's who you yeah. should follow as an example, not some celebrity. So, so give us an example of, of a myth, a falsehood, fake news, however you want to call it. You know, one of the things that, that drives me a little crazy is when I see things that are so overly scripted and at the same time, unrealistic. Like, I wouldn't say that anyway, and I certainly wouldn't say it the way that you're telling me to say it. But you just wrote in this blog post that if you say this, it'll work every time, right? This stuff just drives me nuts. Give us an example of a myth, a falsehood, fake news, whatever you yeah, want to sure. call it that you'd love to dispel. Well, in the way you're, you're phrasing it, it's because everyone's looking for the shortcut. So they keep sure. trying things. Yeah. Like right. Salespeople all have FOMO. You know, they're all fearful. They're going to miss out on the new the new trick. And now I'm going to jump ahead and just talk about something real quick that is near the end of the book. It's my favorite chapter where I highlight these two top producers. One guy sells cars and the other guy sells financial services for one of the biggest financial companies in America. And he sells it to the biggest companies in America. And, and I compare and contrast these two people, neither are my clients, so I take no credit. Like, these people were great before they met, before I met them. And um, I, my hope is that, that people listening to this and people that read that chapter are strangely encouraged as I outline the best practices of these, these two uber high producers because there's nothing mystical or magical. None of them take any shortcuts. They, they, they should be encouraged that you can, you can emulate what they do. They're not freaks mm -hmm. of nature. They don't have secret sales tools or secret formulas. They just work really hard and they've mastered the basics. But I'll, I'll go back to one of the falsehoods. This is a very common one in our industry. For the last, I don't know, six, seven years, everybody loves to quote the stat from CEB from the Challenger sale that says, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. today's buyer goes on average 57% through their process before they're gonna engage with a salesperson. Mm -hmm. And from the moment I heard that statistic, I thought, well, that's odd. Because most of what I do in my coaching and with my clients is get salespeople to go talk to people before they're shopping, right? To go initiate contact, not to be sitting on your butt waiting for a lead for someone to hit your website or download a white paper, right? Go call people that are prospects before they're looking and start a relationship and paint a picture of a better future. So that myth has been uh, abused beyond all measure by people in the inbound marketing and social selling world because they tell salespeople, don't you dare knock on a door or prospect or pick up the phone because that doesn't work because the buyer is going to get exactly 57% through their buying process before they're going to talk to you. And there were salespeople literally that would believe that. 
and then and they kill them. You know, they walk around with empty funnels and lack of opportunities because they think they're not permitted to, to prospect or get engaged with somebody. And that's a total myth. That's only true when a lazy reactive salesperson sits on their butt and waits for someone to drop a lead in their mouth. So there's an mm -hmm. example of just a, a very common and abused statistic that has done a lot of damage to the sales community, way different than what the authors of that study intended it when they wrote it years and years ago. But you counter that even in that chapter by saying, listen, here, here's what's, here's what this guy, Ron, one of the characters in the story here, mm -hmm. uh, does right. Preparation, practice, keeps it personal, follows up. Uh, I mean, listen, uh, that's not sexy, Mike. That That's not headline grabbing. What's the matter with you? No, and that's the problem. Nobody yeah. wants to hear the basics. No one wants to be told, hey, you want to sell more? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take control of our calendar and you're going to get up a little earlier and you're not going to start your day in your inbox and you're going to work through some prospects first and some tough growable accounts. And you know, before you get that big meeting, just like I described in Ron's world, you're really going to practice, N not just for like five minutes, but maybe for like five days. Mm -hmm. And you're going to run through scenarios and you're going to prepare for objections. And when you get in their boardroom, you're going to ask different questions. And you're not going to just do the show up and throw up thing, but you're going to be really personal in how you approach this. And all of those things that you just, you know, you kind of laid out the outline from that chapter. Yeah. Those are things any of us could do if we made the effort. There's no, there's no rocket science here. There's no, there's no secret sauce. It's just work. And it's, mm -hmm. it's not sexy because it doesn't get a lot of eyeballs when you write about, hey, you need to be more disciplined. You need to work harder. You need to master the basics. Nobody wants to read that article online, right? They want the shortcut. And that's why I, I feel like I had to push back so hard. And my hope is because of my credibility and because of the other books that people will read this and go, ah, oh, thank you. I didn't really believe this other newfangled nonsense anyway. And I just needed someone to go, it is the basics. It's always mm -hmm. the basics. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, how how do you know who to believe? I mean, how do you know who to follow, Mike? When when we're looking at and we're saying there are a lot of people out there making a lot of noise, how do you discern I should follow this person? I should stay away from that person? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I one I would look at someone's real history. You know, were they a top producing salesperson? They're now in consulting and and the sales improvement industry by choice, or it, as you look around, there's a lot of people in this industry that bought a franchise or they're a reseller for some inbound marketing company, mm -hmm. you know, and there's no track record of really having been a sales driver as a leader or an individual contributor. So I think that's one way. And then Jeff, this is gonna sound crazy, I'm gonna say this, because I'm supposedly an expert as well. I would just tell everybody, just get the heck off of LinkedIn and stop looking for answers. Like, go master the basics, read one or two books that are well-known and well-reviewed by some experts, and then stop looking for the new thing. And if you put the same energy you're gonna put into reading and wasting your day looking at LinkedIn posts to actually calling people and perfecting your sales skills, you'd be a hundred times ahead if you if you'd get off LinkedIn and stop looking for the new thing. There is no new thing. I've never seen a salesperson or a sales team struggle or fail because they're lacking a new process or a new tool. They struggle because they have not nailed the fundamentals. Yeah, because you said something there that was uh, just four words, but I think critically important words. You said perfecting your sales skills. You know, stop looking for this. Is spend the time perfecting your sales skills. 
But the process of perfecting your sales skills, I think this is the problem that we're up against over and over again. The process of perfecting your sales skills is like perfecting any other skill development work you want to do, uh, perfecting guitar, perfecting acting, per whatever it is. It takes a whole lot of gritty, behind-the-scenes hard work that's not fun, that's not sexy, that's not going to make any headlines. And I think that we we don't want to put in the hard work. And because we don't want to do that, oh, wait a minute, here's somebody who says, I can just sort of take care of these three happy hops uh, to be able to do this over here, and then I'll all be done. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It sounds enticing, but the problem is that that perfecting of the sales skills itself is what I'm sure you've seen in your career people just don't want to do. No, it's because it's work. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. If they don't want to do the practice, I mean, look at any real athlete. Look at the percent of time they're on the practice range or shooting free throws or whatever, you know, sport analogy you want to come up with. 99% of what they do is prep and practice. 1% mm -hmm. is actually performing right on the stage at the moment that they're, that they're up at the plate or doing a floor routine in gymnastics or hitting a golf ball, right? 99% is practice. But what about with salespeople? They think that practice is scanning articles on LinkedIn and then you go practice on some giant prospect. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it with even rookie salespeople. You, you give them a nice call outline and some vocabulary and you do a little coaching. And if you watch them at work, 20, 30 phone calls later, they're actually competent. They can go from failing to pretty decent, but you got to make the calls. You're not going to get better at prospecting or running a sales call by thinking about how to run a sales call. Yeah, You got to get in there right. and meet people. Right. Period. Right. Well, and you're not going to get better uh, just by going to a training session either, right? This is a, a, something I know you and I have in common. I don't know that we've ever talked about it, Mike, but I, I, I feel fairly confident that we agree on this, is that sense that, well, I went to a training session, the company paid for it, and I spent eight hours or whatever it is on the class, and therefore my skills are, are better. Now, you may have been enlightened, but that's not skill development, right? No, and that's why every time I lead a workshop, man, the back page is takeaways. Yeah. Write down what you're going to do on Monday. You know, what happens in a sales training is meaningless. It's what you do next week, next month, next quarter. What's going to change about your calendar, about your messaging, about your phone technique, about sharpening your probing questions or how you define next step? Like, what are you going to implement? Implement like that. You don't get better thinking about it. Like, if this isn't. You know, sometimes I get a call or a, a message from someone and they list for me the nine sales books they've read this year and they want to know my opinion of what they should read next. And my answer is always the same. Nothing. <laughs> Stop reading. Like you got yeah. plenty there. Even if my book wasn't on the list, you read nine books, seven of those are really good. Implement what you read and stop reading. Just get to work. Like stop acting like this. it's this head game. That's not, you're not going to get better. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, Jeff, because you and I know that leaders are learners and right. top producers are jamming down podcasts. And when they're in the mm -hmm. car, the airplane, they're doing books on Audible. And I get they're always sharpening their sword. That's not who I'm talking to here. I'm right. talking to the average or struggling salesperson who's looking for that one more quick fix, who's like addicted to the info, but never implements anything. And that's who I'm saying, stop, stop, get off the Internet and get to work. All right, so let's dispel another myth here because, uh, you know, I I play uh, ice hockey or uh, to my friends in Canada, as you call it, 
hockey. Uh, I, I once uh, <laughs> once had a Canadian correct me and say, "Hey, this is Canada. Eh? You don't have to say ice." Anyway, uh, so you know, my, my skating posture is not good, and when I see myself on film, I, I am not in good skating posture. And I can go out there before a game and go, I'm going to skate lower. I'm going to bend my knees. I'm going to have better posture. And then I get into the middle of the game, and all I know is there's a two-on-one breakaway. I play defense. I've got to shut these guys down. The last thing I'm thinking about is my posture because when I'm in game conditions, uh, I can't uh, focus on it. Can you talk a little bit about the myth that I will practice on my customers? I'm going to go to a training session over here. I'm going to listen to this podcast. I'm going to read this LinkedIn article. And then next time I'm talking to a customer, I'm going to practice this on a customer. And uh, I'm not sure that that's possible. Now, first of all, I'm impressed the fact that you still lace them up and you get on the ice. Like, you know, you're not a spring chicken. So I'm that's Thank just you. impressive right there. And you know, I'm I'm coming to you from the home. I know the you are Cup champion, St. Yes. Louis Blues. Shout out to I my know. my boys here. Uh, is having defeated my San Jose Sharks in order to get there. Thank you very much. You've had your chance. You you guys have been there and done that. So thank you for letting us have that one. Um, yeah, you can't practice, you know, and it, it's funny the way you describe that. Um, you, there's a f- very common phrase. I've heard it so much in the last year. Everyone's talking about muscle memory, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. it's just, it's there, it's habit, it's reflexive, it's muscle memory. Well, if you don't practice, you don't have that muscle memory, you know, and, and you freeze up when you're in front of a customer. And, and honestly, we should never be nervous when we're face-to-face with a prospect, right? It's a, it's a conversation, it's a dialogue you're not pitching. You're there to help somebody to see if there's a fit. Like so, if you are getting nervous, you have the wrong mentality altogether. But it, what you, what, the way you describe the hockey thing, it, it brings up an, a point I have in the book in a totally different chapter about the 2016 presidential election. Right. And yeah. I was totally apolitical. I just went down the middle and I shared a sales coach's observations of things that Trump did that helped him win, and things that Hillary did that helped her to lose. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things I, I contrasted were the two conventions. And and every every four years, I love watching the political conventions. Um, the Democrats convention always trumps the Republicans for lots of reasons, whether it's the Hollywood support or just their attention to detail. And in 2016, the Republican convention was a disaster with Trump and Ted Cruz revolting, and it was poorly produced and terrible speaker. I mean, everything about it was awful. And Hillary's convention was phenomenal, like, you know, to the nines, like perfect. But at the end, he won and she lost. And one of the points there I make is that you don't win the deal in the boardroom. You win the deal by building relationships before the big presentation day and doing great discovery and meeting constituents and understanding their issues and building consensus. And then you win the deal with the follow-up you do after the big boardroom and the big presentation. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, an example that relates to where you were going that you can't just practice, right? Uh, You're not gonna succeed without practicing. But it's more than just what happens on game day. And you would be a better hockey player if you weren't so successful as a sales trainer and consultant. If you spent more time at the rink, right? Taking shots, skating, having people push on you. But as an old guy, you don't have that chance right now because you just play for fun. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the difference between a pro who practices, 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 and an amateur who just shows up and, you know, is a hack. And I think there's a lot of salespeople that could benefit from this analogy, realizing if you're really a pro, then take it seriously. And that's why I, in that chapter on Tom and Ron and their best practices, mm-hmm. I'm hoping what people take away from that is look at all the work they do backstage in preparation and to prepare 
and practice so that when they're front at front stage in front of the prospect or the client, they just they're just dead nuts on. And that mm-hmm. I don't see salespeople that have that commitment or that work ethic. Yeah, it requires challenging your own uh, beliefs, challenging your own habits, challenging your own traditions. And I just think the mind constantly wants to go back to whatever is uncomfortable. If we don't make it comfortable in our practice sessions, it'll never be comfortable when we're actually out there uh, talking to a customer face to face. There's just too much stress, too much pressure. It'll drive us back into whatever our habits uh, uh, were. Uh, give us a piece of advice. Uh, we're almost out of time, but give us a piece of advice, Mike, for for men and women just starting their sales careers. Is there something that you would wish that someone would have told you way back when that would have given you a greater perspective on how to have an, an effective career in sales? Yeah, I'll actually share something that somebody did tell me, and it's it's yeah. a message from my dad when I, a few, few years into my career, pivoted to go into sales. And he sat me down and I mean, he just like looked at me and he stuck his finger in my face. He said, listen to me, if you want to succeed in sales, your motivation has to be to help your customer win. And if you want to create the best outcome and the most value for your clients, right? And your goal is always to help them win, then you will always win in sales. And friends, I'm just going to tell you that when your motivation is pure and authentic, you know you can produce a better solution and a better outcome and bring more value to that prospect. Man, you want to prospect. You want to call them, right? Because you know it's in their best interest. It's not just that you're going to make money. It's that it's good for them. So the best advice I could give any seller is you have got to be others centered in your mindset and definitely in your messaging. Stop talking about yourself and what you do and your solutions and your offerings and talk about issues you address for your clients and the outcomes and results you help them achieve. If that's your motivation and that's the language you use, you will be light years ahead of the average salesperson. Love it. What about for veterans? Veterans that they've hit a plateau, they've just hit the wall. Uh, they 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 don't. They're in a slump. Whatever mental or or in their sales numbers. Uh, what do you got for them? I got two things for the veteran. Number one, go back and make a checklist of the basics. Stop taking for granted that you're running good sales calls and that you're asking provocative, you know, provocative, insightful, probing questions. Like go back and really go through the basics. How's your message? How's your prospecting to get a meeting? How are you conducting meetings? What questions are you asking? You know, how are you pushing past objections or fleshing them out and defining good next steps? So nail down the basics. And the second thing I say to a veteran is get your heart engaged. Don't let yourself get tired. Like set real goals and then tie some very meaningful reward to that goal so that when you hit your goal, you're rewarding yourself. And that's what will keep, keep your heart engaged. I did that. I did it for myself last year. I was tired and I had some really big goals and I put this crazy, crazy reward out there for myself. If I hit this number, then I get to buy my dream car that I've wanted for 40 years, you know, and I, I, I laid it out. I wrote it down. I got my wife's buy-in. And in the middle of the year, when I was getting weary, I would just look back at the notes and my goal. And I said, I want this. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to make that call. I'll take that extra deal. I'll get on that extra airplane. I'm going to do what I got to do because my heart wanted it. So for veterans, make a checklist of the basics and come up with some great goal and then a really meaningful reward for when you hit that goal. I love that. Don't wait for your company or your sales manager to have a sales contest. Have your own sales contest. 
uh, it'll be much more meaningful if you have your own sales contest. And and even to the point that you brought up, you're going to sit down with your wife, your partner, your significant other. You're going to say, hey, let's let's make this deal and uh, let, let's figure this out. We're going to go on a dream vacation to Italy if we get this right. Well, why wait for somebody else to hold a sales contest? Hold your own. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, his name is Mike Weinberg. Uh, his website, MikeWeinberg.com. We'll put that in the show notes. And uh, Mike, I know people are going to want to uh, buy this book. It's just such a fantastic read. Where do you want them to go to uh, purchase the book? Oh, Jeff, thanks for this great conversation. I love your take on sales and on leadership. Uh, you can find Sales Truth uh, in a lot of places, but Amazon.com is probably the easiest. So I'd love people to check out the reviews there. I love it. Mike Weinberg, always a pleasure. Congratulations on another great, great book. And thanks for all you do. Just to, as the kids say, keep it real. Do the kids still, I don't know if the kids still say that. Anyway, uh, but that's what you do. You just keep it real for all of us. And we appreciate the work uh, that you do. The great Mike Weinberg. Thank you so much, Jeff. Well, there you go, Murph. We always love having Mike on this show. He's just such a good guy, isn't he? He is. And uh, such practical advice in that book. Uh, really like uh, yeah. the simplification of uh, sales. Uh, you know, I, I didn't ask him, but my guess is that there were times when he was writing the books like, am I really going to say this? <laughs> right? Uh, especially the chapter that he writes uh, about uh, the 2016 election, which, of course, you know, is such a fiery election and it still causes people to go, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And yet the correlations that he makes are, are really profound. Uh, uh, in the book. And just so you know, it, it doesn't matter which side of the political fence you're on. You'll appreciate uh, what he has to say, I think, along those lines. Uh, but he's just a he's a guy that likes to tell the truth. And I don't know, I just don't think we have enough people that are willing to to really tell it the way it is in our day. Well, what I appreciate about it is the fact that, uh, you know, we're always trying to reinvent the wheel. But why? It's it's sales is really about relationships, as I understand it. And uh, yeah. I think that's where he's uh forcing us back to. Yeah, I agree with that, especially when I think about the last thing we talked about. What do you do for veterans that hit the plateau? And what did he say? Make the checklist for the basics. How are the fundamentals? And when we think about sales, we, you know, there are all kinds of different thoughts and ideas that float around every single day. That's fine. Go after those ideas but only after you can prove that you've got the basics down. And I just want to wrap up today's podcast episode to all of you veterans out there, just to ask yourself the question, how much are you willing to go back and challenge the basics? It is so easy to slip into bad habits. So I want to make a suggestion here. Just find one thing that you want to just challenge, that you want to look at and say, am I doing that on a, at a level that's truly world-class, whatever that is, whether it's discovering the customer's initial motivation, whether it's dealing with some particularly important objection, whether it's asking for the sale, it's in your prospect tickets and your follow-up, whatever it is, just pick one small thing and ask yourself, am I world-class at that particular opportunity? Uh, not Am I doing okay with that? That's not the question. Am I world class? And that's going to cause you to go in a completely different direction because now what are you going to do? You're going to really look at it and say, okay, what can I do to make a huge difference with this one thing? What would that look like? So I just want to challenge you to look at it and say, we just want to do things that are barely up to what other people are doing. We want to do things on an entirely different level. What would that take? What would that look like? 
I'll just challenge you to be thinking about that even as we wrap up today's episode. We look at it and we say, what one thing could I do to be world class? Do that, you'll be on the track to change someone's world.